something a little bit different. I have been speaking on the family and have enjoyed doing so, but this Wednesday we're going to have our family panel. It's my chance to play a talk show host, which I enjoy doing, uh, and I'm going to ask some seasoned parents to take questions from you, uh, and I think it'll be insightful, enjoyable, and I want you to be part of it. Next Sunday, I'm starting a brand new series that I've been wanting to do for a long time. It's called The Standard, and it's going to be a series about the Bible. Next Sunday in particular, you're going to enjoy it because it's going to be more of a teaching. I want to talk about how the Bible was put together. And we're going to just going to we're going to teach to your head more to your heart. I want you to know how the Bible was put together and why that's important and why that helps us understand why it's so important to us. Mark chapter 2 and beginning with verse 23 with 28. The title of my message today is His Design our benefit. And on the back of your bulletin, there'll be a chance for you to follow along if that will be a benefit to you. Starting in verse 23, we pick up the story. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields and his disciples walked along. They began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for the priest to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. And then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Look at 27 again. He said to them, this is a key phrase, the Sabbath was made for man not man for the Sabbath. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you've given us a story for a particular reason, for us to learn, for us to benefit. And I pray, Lord, the heart of what you want to do and the, the, the truth that you want to accomplish in us today it would come alive. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, nobody likes a new phrase that we've adopted in our culture, and it's this, a gotcha question. Have you ever had that happen to you? If you watch any interview with politicians now, I think this is an unfortunate phenomena because the, our journalists no longer are trying to get important information from our politicians. They're just getting what we call now gotcha questions. Let's ask questions to the politicians, not, not for knowledge, not for understanding, but simply so we can embarrass them. And it happens on both sides of the aisle. You know, as a pastor, sometimes I get a gotcha question, especially when I come to a new situation and, and we're trying to figure things out. And people will come to me and ask questions like this. Well, tell me, um, how do you think the church is going? And I want to say, well, since I'm in, paid to be in charge of the church, I think it's going pretty good. But what do you think? Because obviously this conversation's going somewhere and, um, and it begins to unfold and and that happens a lot of times that, that you feel cornered and you feel like, oh, th this is a gotcha question. They're about to get me. Well, this is exactly what the Pharisees attempted to do with Jesus. They attempted to give him a gotcha question about the Sabbath. But as always, because Jesus is wise and their hearts were incorrect, it backfired on them. And what they did is they asked him about the Sabbath. Now, the Sabbath 
had become something much different than what God had intended it to, to be in the first place. And the Pharisees had made the Sabbath something God didn't want it to become. So I want to talk to you for a couple of minutes before we get back into the text about the Sabbath, about what the Sabbath is and why it's important to us. Now, Sabbath comes from the root word cessation, meaning this. It means to stop from work. And at the beginning, I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 2. If you're there, Genesis chapter 2. At the beginning, God stopped from his work. And one of the interesting things that we find out about the Sabbath is there was a particular reason why God stopped from his work. God stopped from his work because he was finished with his work. And one of the things we all need in our lives is we need regular finish lines where we can end our work period. We can end our day. We can end a certain era or a certain project and say, I am done. I've got something accomplished. I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like I never cross a finish line. I feel like it's just perpetual the same thing day after day after day. And one day turns into a week and a week and a month and a month, a season. And the next thing I know, I look at my life and I've had no significant time for the things that matter. The relationships that matter. And the relationships with God. No time for reflection. No time, no time to grow my soul. Because it's just day after day after day. Well, God set a great example for us in Genesis chapter 2. And I want us to read it together. It says, Thus the heavens and the earth were complete in all their vast array. And, the, and uh, let, me, let me catch you here. And by the seventh day, this is verse 2, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all the work. Now notice verse 2, that's one part we forget. He finished his work and then he rested. In verse 3, and God blessed the seventh day because on it he rested from all the work of creating what he had done, that he had done. Now, the seventh day, in case you've forgotten, is Saturday. And so Saturday was the day God blessed, and God said, Saturday is going to be my Sabbath. Now, the interesting thing to me is uh, now in the contemporary church world, a lot of churches are having services on Saturday. Uh, there's, at this time, no plans or intention for us to do that. But that's become kind of an emotional argument for some people. And some people say, I cannot believe there's church on Saturday, churches for Sunday. But really, if you want to be a biblical literalist, that, that is actually a very appropriate day to have church, and especially for a Jewish person. Now, if you're not a Jewish person or Orthodox Jew, if you're a Gentile, that we need to understand that the seventh day, the Saturday, you and I, if you're a Gentile, we're not obligated to that. In Acts 15, when they gave the rules for the Gentiles, they, they gave very specific rules and they did not say anything about the Sabbath. But the Sabbath is a sign, and, and you need to understand this closely so you don't get into legalism. The seventh day is a sign between God and the nation of Israel. Now look at me at Exodus 31. This will show this very clear. Exodus chapter 31, verse 16 and 17. It says this, The Israelites are to observe the Sabbath celebrating it for generations to come as a lasting covenant. I'm in Exodus 31. Now, verse 17. It will be a sign between me 
and the Israelites forever. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he abstained from work and rested. So this is a the, the, the Saturday or the seventh day is a very distinct covenant between God and the Israelite people. Now, Christians very early on began the custom of worshiping God on the Lord's Day, which is Sunday. And we see this very clear that the oldest book in the Bible is the book of Revelation. And in Revelation chapter 1, verse 9, starts out John is telling about his revelation. And let's read it together. He says, I was on the, on the Lord's day, this is verse 10, I was in the Spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. On the Lord's day, the Lord's day is Sunday. It's the day that, that Christ was resurrected. So for the early first century Christian who was Jewish, they would, go to Sabbath, they would observe the Sabbath and go to synagogue on Saturday. Then on Sunday, they would worship the Lord as the Lord's day. And those of us who are Gentiles, now, most of us use the Lord's Day to worship the Lord. Now, I put all of that out there to get some of the technical aspects uh, finished, but now I want you and I, I want you and I to focus on what this means to us today. And let's go back to the story at hand. The story at hand is this Jesus and his disciples were walking along on the Sabbath, on a Saturday, and they did something that was completely appropriate because the Old Testament encourage all landowners to keep the corners of their field for those who were poor or those who were traveling or for those who were on a journey. And they would not harvest the corners of their field. And the reason they didn't harvest the corners of their field is so people could get food or get provision. I guess it was like the ancient fast food restaurant, the corners of the field. And so Jesus and his disciples were walking along and and they came up and they came up to the grain and they just they rubbed a little bit off and they just ate a snack. Something that was appropriate, and according to Old Testament law, it was something they were able to do, no problem. Here was the issue. The issue was the Pharisees. Because again, remember I told you the Pharisees had made the Sabbath something it was not intended to be. The Pharisees had made the Sabbath a huge rule, a huge day of rules, of do's and don'ts. And they had written law upon law upon law. A few weeks ago we talked about that. It's called the tradition of the elders. It's not, in the, it's not in the Bible. It's not in the Old Testament. But it's their tradition. And their tradition said that was wrong for Jesus to do what he did. So Jesus told the story. And that, that story, we're not going to take time to read it now, but I want you to read it later. It's found in 1 Samuel chapter 21, verse 1 through 6. And perhaps this afternoon you can get out your Bible and look at 1 Samuel chapter 21. In this story, Jesus reminded them what happened in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, David was being hunted down and, he, and his life was threatened. Saul was about to kill David. David ran out of provisions. And so he went into the temple and inside the temple, he ate something called the showbread. Now, if you're taking notes, that's spelled with an E, S-H-E, S-H-E, excuse me, W, showbread. Let me tell you what the showbread was because this was a very important piece of bread. Is everybody with me? Can y'all just say, like, hi, Aaron? Okay, thank you. All right, I'm just kind of talking, having a good time up here, and you're looking at me, but, you know, we haven't got to the note part and all that, so I just want to make sure we're good. And I just didn't feel like saying, can you say amen? You know, I didn't want to do that whole thing, you know. So the showbread was literally called the bread of the presence of God. I mean, that is a very, very 
um, exclusive name. This bread was prepared on Friday before the Saturday Sabbath. And as part of the worship ceremony, the, the priest would eat some of the showbread. But here's the part you need to understand. Only the sanctified priest could eat the bread, and they could only do it on the Sabbath. Now, I say that because that was a clear law that we find out in 1 Samuel 21 that David broke the law. David broke the law because he was hungry. And he was so hungry that he went into the temple. It probably was not on the Sabbath, but it was probably after the Sabbath, and he and his, his men ate the showbread. Now, here is the absurdity of what this story is. Now, they came, the Pharisees came to Jesus and said, Jesus, I can't believe you guys have taken some of the wheat and eaten it. I can't believe you've done that. And Jesus said that that, that was perfectly appropriate. And so Jesus pointed out the fact. He pointed out the fact that David had actually broken the law and he was a sinful man and God had not judged him for it. And they had simply done what was appropriate and had broken the tradition of the elders. And all of that leads you and me back to our Sabbath. Because I want you to understand why we should have a Sabbath and why we should worship God on a Saturday or Sunday or whenever that is. It's a certain type of of command God has given us. And it's a command that I want you to understand how important that is. Because man is not made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath is made for man. Let's look at this very logically. Which was made first? Man was made first. And man was made in the Garden of Eden. And along the way, man was made in Genesis chapter 1 and in Exodus 20. Then, then the Sabbath came along to benefit man. You know, so many times that we forget that people come before rules. And not only do they come before rules in our priorities, but they come before rules in the creation of rules. People were created first, and people come first, and it's God's will that we should all understand that the Sabbath has been made for our benefit. Now, a lot of times we have really immature views about the Sabbath. And when I was in high school, uh, I was uh, spiritually engaged and, and had started preaching and stuff like that. But, but I did have one issue in my life. And the issue is, as much as I love God, and as much as I love the concept of his church. Sunday morning church was just a very inconvenient bump in my weekend. I, I like to stay out on Saturday night, and I enjoyed watching NFL football or NBA basketball. And, and, and even though I love the Lord and I love going to church, and in my home that wasn't an option. I mean, we went to church. I remember sometimes just thinking, oh, church tomorrow. Now, before you start looking all self-righteous at me, you've thought the same thing here. Let's just be honest. Sometimes we think, oh, wow, church is right in the middle of my weekend. And here's one of the things that I would do. In the church I grew up in, we were in the era where we all wore suits and everything. And I would want to sleep the the most possible time before I went to church. And I had this thing timed out to the very last wake-up call I got from my parents or whoever, and, and, and what I would do is I would take my shirt and I would only iron this part right here because I figured it's going to get wrinkled anyway, so I'd just iron that front part, throw on a shirt, throw on a jacket, and go to church. 
That's how serious I took the Sabbath at that time. And often we, we, we think about that. I mean, we love God and we love the church and we love our pastor. I know that. But it's like, wow, right in the middle of the week. And all of a sudden, we forget what the Sabbath is for us and what a privilege it is. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down because God never designed the Sabbath to be an imposition. He never designed, that's number one, God never designed the Sabbath to be an imposition. Go ahead and put number one down. I know it's up there. Yeah. God never designed it to be an imposition upon us. So how should we respond? Let's not make it that way. Sometimes we do that. We make it an imposition by the way our attitude is and the way we look at it. And we get our priorities wrong. And we forget that He wants it to be a complete joy for us. He wants us to find joy in the presence of God. Now, is the Sabbath simply just a day off? No. It's much more than just a day off. The Sabbath is much more than you just getting time off. The Sabbath is made for community. We're so supposed to refresh ourselves as individuals. But part of it, too, is being in community with people of like faith, whether it's our family or our church family or both. And we come together, and it causes us to have a finish line in our week where we say, God, I'm dedicating this time to you for the growth of my soul. Just like you set the example in Genesis chapter 1, I'm finishing my work. I'm finishing my work, and I'm focusing on refreshing myself. I'm focusing on the needs of other people. Therefore, we volunteer, and we volunteer at the church, or we volunteer in other activities. And I'm going to do something that's going to invigorate my spirit. And sometimes that can be, just be honest, that could be reflected. You'll never hear this from a preacher. It could be reflected in family and social activities. And, and I, I believe that. I believe that, that it's all right, it's appropriate to do family activities on Sunday. I don't think we have to be um, sequestered into our home and not do anything. But there's an idea that somewhere in our Sabbath, whether it's Saturday, whether it's Sunday, we'll talk more about that in a second, we're going to worship with our community. We're going to refresh ourselves and we're going to cease from our work and we're going to recharge our batteries and we're going to move forward. Now, as recently as 50 years ago, 40, 50 years ago, the 1950s and 1960s, that a lot of the holiness denominations, the Nazarene Church, the Assemblies of God, the Wesleyans, different ones like that, great, great churches, that's where my heritage is from, they would actually make up rules themselves because out of a good heart, they wanted to observe, they wanted to honor God on Sundays. And so they would make up rules like you can't read the paper on Sundays. Like you can't go bowling on Sundays. You you can't do this, you can't do that. And even though that came out of a, a, a correct heart, it was the wrong focus. Because the Sabbath is not about what you can't do, it's what you get a chance to do. And you get a chance to pause from the daily grind and refresh yourself to get in God's presence, to be with people of like faith, to serve other people, to be in an atmosphere where you can know His love and share His love, and to allow God to recharge you, refresh you, and get you ready to serve Him through your job, through your occupation, 
through your family the rest of the week. It's not about what you can't do. It's about the joy of what you get an opportunity to do. He wants you to discover that joy and to focus on that joy. Now, one of the in our culture, we have a very unusual example of what of some of something that that observes the Sabbath and is blessed by. And that is a fast food restaurant. Chick-fil-A does not open on Sundays. And since 1967, when they opened, Truett Caffey, their owner, made a decision. He made a decision not to serve food and not to open his doors on what is one of the premier times for a food industry to make money. And he made that decision. And that decision started way before 1967. It started in his first restaurant that he opened in Georgia in 1946. And the very the first restaurant he opened, and the first week he opened that restaurant, Truett Cathy decided, I am not going to be open on Sunday. Now, if you that's been inconvenient for me on Sundays, but uh, but I want I want you I want to share with you why that has been a blessing to him. In interviews, they've asked Truett Cathy, why have you done this? And he said it sends two messages. One, it sends a message that people who work for Chick-fil-A care about their faith. Two, it sends a message that we value people. And they have, they have, there have been all kinds of analysis of how could a restaurant do this? How could a restaurant close on Sundays when that's such a premier day? But do you know that since 1967, Chick-fil-A has made a profit every single year? And in most of their 1,380 restaurants, that they bring more profit per square foot than their competitors who are open all seven days. Now, again, this is not to be some kind of legalist and say, oh, if you have a business, you can't be open on Sunday. That's not the point I'm trying to make. The point I'm trying to make is that when you find your rhythm, when you find your Sabbath, when you do what you're supposed to do, God's going to bless you because it's God's plan. He's the one who decided that there's going to be six days that we work and one day that we rest. Truett Cathy has been asked about that decision to close on Sunday, and he said, and this is a quote, it is the best business decision I've ever made. He didn't say it was the best spiritual decision. It wasn't the best emotional decision. He said, it's the best business decision that I've ever made. Because while that God has not intended this to be an imposition upon us, here's the second thing I want you to write down. God did design the Sabbath to be an advantage to us. That's what I want you to understand. See, in, in, in my immature thought process when I was in high school, I was like, oh, I love God, I love the church, but oh, I want to do other things. And now I realize that the fact that, that I went to church on a weekly basis and that our family observed the Sabbath and that... I had a certain rhythm, a finish line in my life. How beneficial that has been to us. God designed a Sabbath to be an advantage to us. And completing, completing that sentence, it says, and so we must embrace it and improve it. In order for you to be blessed through the Sabbath, you have to embrace it and say, I am going to observe it. I am going to take it. I am going to live it out. Now, I know many of you, might be working retail right now. Many of you might not be able to control your schedule. Many of you might have limitations. And, and let me just say this to you. I'm not suggesting, again, this is not a message, a teaching that is supposed to impose guilt upon you. 
Do not go quit your job tomorrow. Uh, do not, you know, do anything drastic. Sometimes when we understand a truth like we are, we are sharing with you today, it gives us a vision of where we're going to be someday. So maybe it's three years from now or three months from now or three weeks from now and that you are going to have more control over your schedule and you're going to have more control over how you orientate your life. And when you have control over that and when God blesses you that way, you need to create in your life a Sabbath and make sure that you keep that as part of your life. Now I want to share two uh, really uh, fantastic scriptures that just speak to themselves. I mean, I'm not going to have to give you a lot of commentary on this. I'm not going to have to expand it. I want you just to kind of let the words of these scriptures just sink in to your spirit. The first one is Deuteronomy chapter 5, starting in verse 12. And we're going to use some of the, the more modern translation because the way it's worded is just beautiful. The Message Bible says this, No working on the Sabbath. Keep it holy, just as God, your God, commanded you. Work six days, doing everything you have to do, but the seventh day is a Sabbath, a rest day. No work, not you, your son, your daughter, your servants, your maid, your ox. You won't have any problem with their ox, but uh, your donkey or any of your animals. Not even the foreigners visiting your town. Well, watch this part. That way your servants and maids will get the same rest as you. With, with Truett Cathy's example, isn't that a blessing that he not only takes a Sabbath for himself, that in the 1,380 stores he owns, many, many, many families are taking the Sabbath. Let's go to Isaiah 58. And we're actually going to read Isaiah chapter 58, verse 13 and 14, in two different translations because, again, I want the words, the depth, the truth just to sink in your spirit. It says this, If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please, this is verse 13 of Isaiah 58. I'm going to start over. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's day honorable, and if you honor it, by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride on the heights of the land. Let's go on and read that in the message, Isaiah 58, verse 13 through 14. These words just excite me. It says, if you watch your steps, your step on the Sabbath, and don't use my holy day for personal advantage, you treat the Sabbath as a day of joy, God's holy day of celebration, if you honor it by refusing business as usual, making money, running here and there, then you'll be free to enjoy God. Oh, I'll make you ride high and soar above it all. I'll make you feast on the inheritance of your ancestor Jacob. Look at that phrase. Oh, I'll make you ride high and soar above it all. Wouldn't it be great to be able to ride high and soar above the stress, to, to soar above the, the attitude of the world? You see, God is offering you a different way to live. God is offering you a different way to orientate your life. God is offering you a different way to take advantage of the joy He has for you. So the question is this, how can you respond to this Sabbath? How can you respond? I start, we started a church in 2000. 
a partner with my best friend who's a senior pastor. And, and Pastor John and I, we, uh, for two years, we drove a school bus. We would meet at 6 in the morning. We'd drive the school bus. Then we'd go to work. During the afternoon, we'd drive the school bus again. Then at night, we would have meetings. And we, we were just putting major energy to launch this church and, and, and put our whole heart and energy and time in it. At the end of 2001... I'll never forget John having a meeting with me. And Pastor John said, Aaron, some things are going to have to change. And he said, and whether you like it or not, uh, at this time we'd stop uh, driving the buses because the Lord had blessed us. He said, whether you like it or not, Aaron, you cannot come in to the office one day a week. And you are taking a day off. Now, you would think that I'd be like, yeah, right, come on. That's great. Do you know that that was one of the most difficult things to instill into my life? Because I was a workaholic, I have workaholic tendencies, and I felt my importance, and I felt that my self-worth came on answers like this. How you doing, Aaron? <laughs> Busy. Busy, man. I'm just running like crazy. I've been gone all day. That felt good to me. You see, because I never want to be accused of not working hard, not putting my hours in, or not doing that. And, 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 and there are times that you have to do that. There are times when our rhythms get messed up and we have to put more energy into a project or more energy into a new business. But perpetually, we have to create a rhythm. And since that day, since 2001 now, so I guess coming up on eight years, I have always taken a Sabbath. Now, my Sabbath started out this way because, in case you didn't know, I'm kind of busy on Sundays doing this. Uh, on my Sabbath, uh, it started off on, it started from Wednesday night when I finished my youth service until Friday morning, and Thursday was my Sabbath. Today, my Sabbath begins my last meeting, usually sometime on Sunday night, and it goes till Tuesday morning. And you know, in, in the middle of that time, I might do housework, I might do a project that I want to do, but I try to just, uh, um, uh, I try to do things that, that wasn't supposed to be funny, but, uh, but I might, well, I meant by housework, I meant like manly stuff, like fixed stuff, you know, that kind of stuff. But, but that has been so beneficial for, for my health. And, and believe me, there's been some Mondays where, you know, the attendance and the offering and things, the data that I look at, I wasn't happy. What I want to do is just, I'm just going to work and just show everybody and I'm going to lead the charge and all that stuff. But I remember what my pastor told me to do and what I've done for nine years. And I believe that that has, I know that has kept me from falling into temptation and sin and things that, that I should not have been involved in because I refreshed myself. The reason this is so important, the reason this is so important is that this very year, this very calendar year, three of my friends in Middle Tennessee who are pastoring churches have lost their churches because of moral failures. Three of them. One this very week. Now here's the issue with that. Of those three, I know two of them never took a day off, didn't take vacations, and they took a lot of pride in that. The third one, I don't know for sure, but I suspect because uh, of knowing, being acquainted with his life, it was the same type of deal. I'm not saying that the Sabbath was the only reason they had a moral failure. That, that, that just simply would not be the case. But I am saying that it is a major contributing factor. They're not getting alone with the Lord. They're not spending the time with their family. This is not to say this in judgment. This is, this is saying, this is to encourage us. How do we respond to this? Write this down. Number one, find your Sabbath. I want you to find your Sabbath. For most of you, that's going to be Sunday. 
Some of, for some of you who are just, you know, like the staff at our church, or if you're just a high caliber, you're, you're, you're not high caliber, a high-end leader, maybe Sunday is a work day. Now, again, sat, part of the Sabbath is serving. It's serving others. It's serving people in community. So I'm not saying that volunteering at the church means you always have to find another day, but find that day for you to refresh. And now, number two is very closely connected to number one. It's almost so closely connected, they're at the same point, is refresh yourself weekly. Refresh yourself weekly. See, as Christians, we have a lot of latitude here on how we observe the Sabbath. Because it says clearly in the book of Romans that not one day is more special than another. So maybe your Sabbath is a Wednesday. Maybe your Sabbath is a Saturday. For most of you, I suspect Sunday is going to be your Sabbath. But the intent and the heart for God saying, you stop, you, you get all of it done in six days, and because I'm God, you walk away for a day, and you focus on your relationship with me, you focus on your relationship with your family, you focus on your spiritual life, you focus on your relationship with your church body. And if you do that, you're going to be blessed. So here's a question I have as we conclude. Is this. Come on, Beth. My question is this. Which way is better? God's way or your way? Let's ask you another question. Whose ideas are better? God's ideas or your ideas? I see a third question. Whose schedule is better? God's schedule or your schedule? Now, if, if you say, my ideas and my ways my schedule are okay, then go ahead. Live in your own understanding. But if you say, God's ways and God's schedule is best, then get ready for a life of joy, a life of fulfillment, a life of spiritual health because we obey what he says, when he says it, and how he said it. Would you stand with me? Thank you, Holy Spirit. Now, Lord, we've, we've heard your teaching, that which we've prepared, so now we ask, Holy Spirit, that you begin to do that work that only you can do. We thank you, Lord, we, not, we don't operate out of the flesh. We don't operate out of the wisdom of man. We operate out of the wisdom of the Spirit. You know, today was a preventative teaching for some. Some of you, God is changing your mindset and changes are coming to your life and they're going to come in the form of seasons and months and years. There are going to be things you pass on to your children. There are going to be things you pass on to your grandchildren. But I believe there's some today that there's a point of change today, right now, right now. You know, sometimes that we feel like we are on the edge of committing sin. And we almost feel like it's too late. Now we all will commit sins unknowingly because of our nature. But I'm talking about a willful sin that some of you are on the edge of committing. And you're on the edge of committing. You see the, the Sabbath and the rhythm of life. God says you stop your work, you examine your heart because when you enter back to the marketplace and you enter back into your schedule, I want you to be thinking from my perspective. I want you to be living out of my way and of my wisdom. And some of you are about to commit a sin and you almost feel like it's too late. The Lord is saying to you, it is not too late. It is not too late. It is not too late that he has caused you to be in the service today because it's not too late to, to, to turn and repent from that sin. 
And I just feel like there needs to be a repentance today. Say, God, we are not going to just just continue to, to follow this path of sin, living our own way. It stops today. Can I tell you, some of you are in a destructive relationship that is just about to lead to adultery, and God says that relationship needs to end today. Today. Some of you are doing something unethical that could ruin you financially, that you could lose your job. It stops today. It stops today because that is not the way He wants you to live. It stops today. You're on the edge of a cliff and part of you just says, I'm just going to fall off the cliff right now. But the Holy Spirit is like a magnet saying, away, away, away. Let's spend some time in repentance today in the back of the room. There are communion tables and we're not going to take them corporately, but if you want to use communion as a tool today to repent, you can do that. And these areas open today. And I want you, if you need to repent of something or if you just need to connect with the Lord, Why don't you come down to the front and pray today? Maybe you need to kneel at your chair. But let's all, right now, God has put a pause in your weekend, a pause in your week, a pause in your life to say, no, do not participate in that sin. Come to me today. Let's come to the Lord. The communion tables are open and the altars are open for you to seek Him. As we sing this first song, I want you to understand that it's from the perspective of the Lord speaking to you. Unlike some altar call songs where it's us talking to God, just let these words get down in your spirit. Sometimes it's it's so easy for us to lavish our love on God. It makes us a little uncomfortable to hear how much He loves us because we don't feel worthy, and we're not, but He loves us anyway. And he wants to tell us how beautiful he thinks we are and that we can find our rest in him. Listen to his words. You're my beloved, you're my bride. To sing over you is my
might be some things you just need to pray with somebody about and you need to come on prayer team come on forward at this point and uh, there might be some things you need to allow the holy spirit that prayer of agreement and so that's going to be available here in a moment it is so isn't it so wonderful that god loves us he's calling us unto himself and he's created this sabbath so that we can reflect refresh renew and then we can go out victoriously. He's made us victors in Christ. But He loved us so much that He didn't allow us just to live for ourselves. He says, my way, my idea, my schedule. His design, our benefit. Our benefit. God has made the Sabbath for our benefit. If you ever feel like you're obligated, and you have to go to church, and you have to tithe, and, and you have to volunteer... Just spend some time with the Lord because it's not a have to, it's a get to. You get to. You get to participate in His grace and His community. And I am thrilled that I get to do life with you and I get to worship with you on a regular basis and get to teach the Word and grow together. And as we dismiss here in a moment, uh, if you have a special need, you want to agree with someone, feel free to come to the front. The rest of us, I hope that this Wednesday, you join us for our family panel. The kids are doing such a great job, and they're doing an excellent job in training, and our youth group's growing, and we want everyone to participate participate in our Wednesday night service. And next Sunday, pray for me this week as I finish up my preparation for that. I just think that next Sunday is going to be insightful and beneficial, and I think that we're all going to learn some stuff, and we're going to be like, oh, yeah. That's how that happened. You know why? Because I'd much rather teach you things from your church and from your pastor than have to go read like the Da Vinci Code and stuff like that to find out how the Bible is put together. Not that that was true or anything, but you know what I mean. Um, you know, um, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. So there's going to be an atmosphere of love that you might find out a little more about the Bible and, and how it was put together. Would you receive this blessing from the Lord? Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. I love you and Jesus loves you. The prayer partners are available to you. And I'll see you, if not this Wednesday, I'll see you next Sunday. God bless you.